Welcome everybody to the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew. I have my co-host, Matt and Vitor here as well. Guys, we got some problems. The Jets are 0-3. We are coming off a 26 to nothing loss to the Denver Broncos, a shutout loss that I don't think anybody was expecting. I know we weren't necessarily expecting wins, but I know we weren't expecting a shutout. There's some problems on offense. There might be some problems on defense. We got a lot to talk about, guys. Let's go ahead and jump right into it. Matt, what was your big takeaway from the loss to Denver? Oh my God. Where do you start with that? Um, I just want to say that this team just doesn't look like they're on the same page at all. They don't look comfortable with themselves or with each other. And it all breeds a disconnect that was as obvious when you just, when you see the product that they're showing out, it's just not cohesive. It's not good. It's it. And they need to get on the same track. I don't know how they can do it because it just seems like they're getting worse, not better. Uh, I, we sort of expected them to have kind of, like a, a a rebuild in midweek, like we saw with the offensive line going into week two. Maybe this week we would have seen a better Zach, and we did see a better Zach for the most part. He made better decisions, uh, but at the same time, everybody else was not on the same page, and it showed in the route running and the decision making and just sloppiness all around. Um, that that that's it was just a mess. What about what do you guys think? Yeah, honestly, you know, it was pretty hard to watch because this is this feels like a sequel of Adam Gaze. It's not like the Jets are having competitive losses, right? They were blown out by the Broncos. Week one, okay. Week two, the offense was a lot, let us down. But week three, I felt like coaching was a main issue. I felt like the young quarterbacks not taking strides. I felt like the youngster on defense are making dumb decisions. The linebackers are getting blown away in the Brown game, Eccles with a stupid penalty. And that's coaching because coaching is the coaches are not putting the young Jets players in a good position for most part. And that was so alarming to me in this game because I expected those youngsters to play better than we all did, did expect because of coaching and the opposite's happening. They're not playing as well as we all thought because of coaching. They're not being put in a good situation. It shows Zach Wilson is Looks like he's aggressing in each week. I know that against the Patriots, he threw four interceptions. But honestly, there's more to like in his state against the Patriots than against the Broncos. No flashes. Basically, no flashes. I know Salah said he needs to play boring, but no flashes for Zach Wilson against the Broncos. You know, it's not good. It's not good. It's only week three. It's a young coaching staff. Yes. But before the season, I don't think any of us expected to be ranting like that after week three. Now, Andrew, I, offline, you said that you started seeing bad habits being formed with uh, with Zach. What, what were some of those? Yeah, um, I'm starting to get a little worried, and it is early. I want to preface that that things can definitely change between now and the end of the year. They could change at in the off season, and there is time to clean things up. And this is not a death sentence. So before I start, I just want to go ahead and just get that out of the way. That this is not a sound the alarm. Everything is burning to the ground. Five alarm fire, but. Zach Wilson's starting to develop some bad habits and it's because of the pressure he is facing. And it's because there really isn't much open based on the offensive scheme that Michael Flores called so far, he's been drifting back a lot and he's been throwing off his back foot. And that's something we saw at BYU. And when you have a guy like Zach Wilson, 
And this is where the Pat Mahomes and the Aaron Rodgers comps came up where he has all this arm talent. He can drift back and kind of get away with it a little more. Yes, that is possible, but you don't want to make that a habit. You want that to be your last resort when you have no other option and you have to make a play in the games on the line. You don't want to be doing that consistently. That doesn't want to become a routine thing. And he's starting to do that. He's not having as much trust in his protection. And to be completely fair, I don't think it's warranted for him to have trust in his protection because the protection hasn't been there. So he's not stepping into his throws. He's throwing off his back foot. He's drifting. He's missing easy throws that he should be making because he's not using his proper mechanics. And that was the one thing with Zach Wilson that made him so good at BYU when he got into a rhythm and when he got when he got hot, it's that his mechanics were flawless is that he got into his rhythm. His arm, it was a whip. His hips came around. Perfect. His point would be pointed at the target. He would follow through. Everything would be clean. Everything would be crisp. It would all look the same and the ball would come out beautifully. And we're not seeing that because he doesn't trust his protection in front of him and it's causing some issues. And that's where you're seeing like the first third down of the game. He had Elijah Moore wide open on the left on a comeback and he skipped it to his feet because Zach Wilson didn't step into the throw fully. He tried to throw it all arm and it's from the far hash to the other side of the field. And Wilson has enough arm talent to make that throw, even if it was more all arm. But if you aren't going to set your feet and you aren't going to do things accurately, you're just going to try and whip it with your arm. It's not going to get there. And it didn't. And I, that I think is the, the issues that we're seeing. The protection up front needs to get handled uh, and to be completely fair, it's on Connor McGovern uh, more than anybody else as the center since he sets the protections. We've now figured that out. And if that doesn't happen, Zach's going to keep developing these bad habits and it could get ugly. I hope that things will start to calm down and then we'll get into more of a rhythm. And as time goes on, Zach will get more comfortable. But I, it's he's got some habits he's got to clean up. See, but now is this something that can be fixed in one week? Or is this something that needs to be that needs a few weeks, maybe like if the offensive line can settle down, give him the time to get his footwork back, uh, will he just develop it over time? Or is this something that can that could be a quick fix? I don't think this is a one week fix because I don't think it was a one week like problem to start with. I think this is a problem that has now over the first three weeks that he has seen consistently has been causing issues. And I think it's going to take that amount of time in the opposite direction to kind of clean it up where Zach's going to need a couple of games of solid protection and trust in his offensive line and the ability to step into throws. More importantly than that, trust that his receivers are going to catch the ball because he's made some great throws, even in this Denver game where he, stepped into it and he made the throw exactly where it needed to be. And it went right through people's hands. I think he had accounting for drops. I think he had over a 70% adjusted completion percentage on Sunday against Denver. That's, that's pretty dang good. And with, with his drops factored in, it was like 52%. So think of how many passes he had thrown that were accurate that got dropped. That's not helping his confidence either. I don't think this is a quick fix. I think this is something that's going to take a few weeks and a lot more consistency before it gets completely ironed out. Yeah. You know, he's just staring down at the rush and not trusting what he sees. And those are true things that a quarterback cannot do. You cannot stare down the rush because you're missing your reads and you got to trust your receipt because the windows in the NFL, they're so small, right? Being open in the NFL is a lot different than being open in college. It's a cliche, but it's true. And right now, Wilson is not trusting what he sees. He's not trusting when he sees a guy open and he's looking, he's staring down at the rush. I don't think it's a quick fix or not. It's just about confidence. You know, building confidence, it's a lot harder than having your confidence destroyed. You can see that Zach, you know, his confidence his confidence fell off a cliff after the Patriots game, after the first two picks. 
And he was a confident player. You cannot play any sport when you're overthinking and you're not confident. And right now, Zach's not confident in his receivers, in his O-line, and in himself. Can this change? Yes. Maybe a drive where the O-line blocks like fantastically, the receivers make plays for him, and then it changes. But right now, the truth is Zach Wilson is overthinking because he's not confident in himself and in the environment around him. And that's not what you want to see on a rookie with a rookie quarterback in week three. Now, do you think this is more of an overcorrection on Zach's part? Because last week, I think we would all say that he was probably over aggressive and that led to a lot of problems. So maybe this week he wanted to rein himself back in. And as a result, he was no longer as confident. I think it's an overcorrection on Michael LaFleur's part. I think it's less about Zach and more about the play calling because they weren't giving him options to throw deep. Even if he wanted to, we saw multiple opportunities where all the routes were in the same area and it was all short and underneath get the ball out as quick as you can. His average time to throw against Denver was 1.7 seconds. That's really fast. That's like really, really, really fast for the NFL. 1.7 would probably be, if I had to look through every single quarterback on Sunday, probably be one of the top in the NFL in terms of fastest times to throw average. And that's factoring in the handful of times where he held the ball for four or five seconds at a time and got sacked. That was their game plan. As it was quick pass, let's not give him the opportunity to throw the ball down the field. And I think it was kind of Michael Floor. You're seeing a little bit of his rookiness as well where he lost confidence in his quarterback and said, okay, well, let's not put you in the position to make the mistake. Let's just keep everything underneath. Uh, I think Vitor, you had mentioned it off air that, that LaFleur was really expecting the Broncos to run a lot more zone. They run a lot of cover four base um, than a lot of their main coverage principles. And they did a lot more man coverage in this game. And once they did that, it was okay. Well, let's do man beaters over the middle and inside. And they just put a hook defender in the throwing lane and it shut everything down because they didn't want to do anything else. And I, I think more so than just Zach losing his confidence, I think it was the the staff as a whole losing confidence in Zach. Yeah, I don't know if losing confidence in Zach only, but in the offense as a whole to execute. Honestly, LaFleur, for three weeks in a row, uh, he, he has been taken to school by the D.C., Snow took him to school by being aggressive while he was trying to yep. set up the run. Belichick played coverage and he was trying to get beat him deep. And when he thought Fangio was playing quarters and let Zach Wilson, because Fangio always says, I hate to, I hate to blitz young quarterbacks because it makes it simple for them. He can, they can throw it hot. And then Fangio, he, I think LaFleur thought, hey, Fangio's going to play four, quarter, four deep quarters coverage and keep everything in front. He played a lot of man and the Jets were like running four by one sets where everybody was basically in the same place. And against man, this is no bueno. And when he adjusted, they just played a hook defender down there. Crossers weren't coming open. Zach was just staring down his reads. Something we didn't see in the preseason and we didn't see in college. I know that NFL regular season game speed is a lot different, but I tend to think that LaFleur is in Zach's ears. As I used to think, Adam Gaze used to spend the entire week on Darnold's ear talking about game plan and how he thinks the defense will respond to, the, to his play calling. I feel like LaFleur's like, hey, this is what they're going to do. This is how we're going to respond. This guy's going to come open on this play. And when this sad guy does not come open, Zach's is struggling to progress. And so everything right now is basically everybody has no confidence. Corey Davis lacks confidence. It's, it's clear. Elijah Moore doesn't look this swaggy wide receiver he thought he would. The offensive line, I don't know what's going on inside, but it's not good. And Zach is clearly unconfident. 
And that's the picture of an offense that scores in the first game 14 points, and then they score six, and then they score no points. In the 21st NFL, 21st century NFL, that's the easier thing to do is to score points, you know. And that's that's just bleak. That's because the rookie quarterback is a rookie. That's because the rookie OC is a rookie. But they gotta get it, put it together. They gotta sit down and see what's not working and try to change it. They gotta do it and they got to do it quickly because it's New York. It's a tough market. It's Salah's first year. I, you know, if the Jets are 0-7 or they head into Dubai at 0-5, again, after playing the Falcons in London, it's not going to look good. It's not going to look good. I think that the offense will take on the personality of their offensive coordinator. If he's aggressive, they'll be aggressive. And he sort of took a step back with his aggression and their ag- aggressiveness sort of took a step back as well. I think he needs to step up the aggressiveness again, but he needs to be smart with it. He needs to get his quarterback in a rhythm. He needs to get everybody on the same page. Uh, and he needs to bring that energy in that, that they could feed off of. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and, and I'm going to add one more point onto this. Um, and I don't want to go too far into this because we don't know the whole story of everything. And without knowing exactly the line checks and the calls and everything, I'm not going to go to blame game because that's not how I want to be on this show. But I want to talk about uh, about Greg Van Roden real quick, because if we want our rookie quarterback to have confidence, if we want to build his confidence back up, if we want to have this guy that's going to be the leader of our team, be confident in himself and play that way, we can't be throwing him under the bus. And I'm sorry, Greg Van Roden. That's what you did. Uh, he was asked in a press conference uh, post game yesterday where uh, I believe it was Connor Hughes of the athletic had asked him. The quote was, you know, there's been a lot of hits taken. I believe there was eight hits taken in the Denver game. And, you know, there's been a lot of sacks given up towards the top of the league and pressures, you know, Zach's a smaller guy. If it keeps going on like this, you know, is it possible for him to stay healthy? And I believe the question was, what can you guys do to get the protection better? And the first thing out of Greg Van Roten's mouth was Zach needs to get the ball out faster. Well, if he's getting the ball out in 1.7 seconds on average, he can't really do it much faster than that. I'm sorry. That's that's just not a a fair thing to say if he's already if the game plan was already get the ball out quick, throw hot and get it out of his hand so that he isn't holding on to it too long. Yes, there were opportunities where Zach held on to the ball too long, and that has been an issue for him. And I'm not saying that what Greg Van Roten is saying is necessarily wrong, but as a veteran as what, who is supposed to be one of the leaders of this team, especially on an offensive line, especially in front of your rookie quarterback who you voted a team captain. You do not throw him under the bus on your first opportunity. You as a leader sit there and go, we, me, I need to get better in protection. We need to get things better in protection. We need to have our communication better. We need to do what we can to give him the opportunity to make the throws. And Zach needs to get the ball out quicker on top of that. You put the blame on yourself first and foremost. You do not throw this rookie in his third game under the bus saying, well, he needs to get the ball out faster. Well, if 1.7 seconds isn't fast enough GBR, maybe you aren't good enough to be starting. Yeah, couldn't agree more. He just cannot say Zach's name before he talks about his unit. It, he just can't. He is a veteran. Zach Wilson's a rookie. Do you guys think Zach Wilson is happy with his performance? Do you guys think Zach Wilson is like Aaron Rodgers? Because Rodgers now, after he loses a game, he just says, relax, we'll be back. Zach Wilson has never lost three games in a row playing like that probably his entire life. So he's not feeling well right now. 
he needs all of the support in the world from his teammates. And you just, I understand that everyone said, we've got to block better afterwards, but it just did not start your answer as Andrew yeah. said by just saying Zach needs to get rid of it quicker. Oh, thanks, man. You know, great answer. What about you? And, you know, this is not good because if Zach Wilson listens to it and, you know, when he sits home, Zach Wilson goes there and say, mm, the first thing Greg said was to say that I got to get rid of it quicker. Why? Of course, you're going to think about it. Of course, Zach Wilson is going to reflect on it. And of course, it's not going to be good. Of course, he's not going to like it. You know, players, every player, every, every player deep down is sort of a diva. No one likes to be criticized. No one likes to be criticized publicly. Nobody likes to be criticized publicly by a guy that's not doing his job correctly, you know, and, and, and that's just a mess. This is not good. It was not good at all. And I know I was disappointed at GVR because he, you know, he, for all, all of the things he said, he has said as a jet, he looked like a great leader and you know, th this was bad. Yeah. And I want to make this point too, really quick, uh, just to be completely fair. This is not saying that Zach Wilson should never be criticized and that he needs to be babied. And this is, oh, we can't say anything negative about him. That is absolutely not what I'm saying whatsoever. Zach Wilson deserves his criticism. And Greg Van Roten has every right to criticize him after he takes the blame himself. On top of that, the other point I want to make is that Zach Wilson himself is not doing what Greg Van Roten is doing. Because when Zach Wilson was asked about all the drops that his receivers had that are perfectly fair, not on him, where he had every opportunity to sit there and say, I would really hope my guys would catch the ball. Zach's answer was, well, I need to throw them the ball better. Even though he gave them good passes, even though it's not true, that's what you do in front of the media. That's what a leader does. That's what being a teammate is. You put the blame on yourself. Always. You take all the responsibility. That is what you do as a leader. That is what you do as a teammate. And Zach Wilson himself understands that. He isn't throwing his other teammates under the bus. He isn't sitting there saying, oh, well, you know, I'm throwing the ball where it needs to be. I need my guys to come down with it. Even if he's throwing perfect passes, he's saying, I need to get them to ball better and it'll be easier for them to catch if I give them a better ball. That's a leader. GVR, you need to be a leader. You're a veteran on this team. That is not how you go about your business. This really upset me. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I'm, I'm very disappointed. As the veteran leader, he should know better. And I'm sure there's nobody that's going to judge himself more than Zach Wilson judges himself after this game. He's going to go back and watch this tape, and he's going to come to the same conclusion. Yeah, I got to get rid of the ball quicker. But that's something that he knows that Zach is going to realize on his own. He doesn't need to shame him in public like that. On top of that, he was getting it out on average in 1.7 seconds. I would understand if if this was like a, a huge, huge, huge problem. But in this particular game where the issue was not Zach Wilson holding the ball too long for the majority of it, that's just a Bush League answer. I'm sorry. I, to lead off with that in a game when Zach Wilson got it out faster than any other game before, uh, granted it's been three games, but that's... I really don't like that. I just, that's deflecting. That's not taking responsibility. That's trying to just deflect. And, and that's not what good players do. That's not what leaders do. That's not the culture that this team needs. Agreed. hundred percent agree.
All right, guys. Well, let's talk about the defense. Let's move things on a little bit. We've had our rant. Uh, the defense, all things considered, I thought did a pretty respectable job. They were put in some a lot of tough positions. They really were on the field a lot. They had field position issues all day. And even though they gave up 26 points, they still held their own for a good bit of time. They had a couple of goal line stops. They had a turnover uh, in the fourth quarter in the goal line. Um, they they did everything that they could with the hands that they were dealt. What did you guys see from the defense that stuck out to you? So I was very impressed with uh, Quinn and Williams. This was definitely his coming out party. We've been saying, like, when's Quinn going to show up? Everybody on Twitter is just saying, when's when's Quinn going to show up? And he finally showed up. He had a two-sack game. Uh, His first sack was probably the most impressive. He was being double-teamed and fought through and still got the sack. Uh, And his brother uh, came through uh, for some uh, decent stops as well. He did have a horrible missed tackle, but... Uh, for the most part, the defense has played very well. Uh, M- Michael Carter as well, uh, in, as a quarterback, has been very impressive. He was in 24 coverage snaps, uh, targeted four times, only gave up two receptions. And for only like 6.5 yards on average for both two, two receptions. So those two really impressed me. Uh, and we needed them to, to do well. We need Q to be the Q that we need him to be. And he might be uh, coming out. Yeah. Honestly, I will be very positive about the Jets' defense right now. Thinking long-term, the Jets might have basically ever started already on this roster. The D-line is set. They will have Carlos on next season. The linebacker group, they have C.J. Mosley. They, they lack another linebacker, and they are still expecting the development of Jamie Sherwood and Hampson Asurdi. They have Marcus May and Ashton Davis, who probably play against the Titans this week. But what I want to highlight is the Jets found two, possibly three starting corners this season. They are sure now that Bryce Hall is a guy. He's a starting cornerback in this league. Michael Carter II is a starting cornerback in this league. So is Javelin Guidry. And maybe Brandon Ackles, despite the stupid penalty against the Broncos. So this, this Jets secondary, man, I'm impressed. Because the Broncos passing game is good. And this was Teddy Bridgewater's worst game of the season. No deep shots. No offense was held to only, I think, a catch or two. Kirkland Sutton didn't make much of a noise. I know KJ Hamler got hurt, but Tim Patrick also didn't make many plays. And this is a good sign. This is a good sign. And this tells me that Salah, despite the 0-3 start, is a good coach. Despite the penalties, he can coach up players. And that's okay. And that's good. That's a good sign on the defense side. What I don't like about the defense is that we saw so many unenforced errors, like penalties, like lining up offsides, taunting by Justin Hardy on the special teams. And that's the negative of Sunday. But trying to stay positive here, the Jets may have found a good secondary in only a draft or two. So Joe Douglas, props to that. And I'll try to stick positive to the defense. Matt, I echo your thoughts on Ken Williams. Great game. Great game by Sheldon Rankins with a good pressure. And I feel like defense will continue to be solid. Yeah, corners were our biggest question. And I think after three weeks, they've been the most consistent group. And I think that's a surprise to everybody because Bryce Hall has been really solid. He gave up one uh, deep shot to Tim Patrick, but he was in phase the whole time and uh, it was in his hip pocket and the receiver just made a really good play. Sometimes uh, the receiver who gets paid millions of dollars to be in the NFL too, they make a good play. Uh, It's not like he was completely out of position or toast or burned. And did he get mossed a little bit? Yeah, but that's going to happen. And 
he was at least in phase. And Michael Carter II has been a revelation in slot. He's been excellent, quite literally excellent from day one as a rookie. He's going to be in this team for a long time. I think Gidry opens a lot of versatility, like you said, Vitor. And Eccles, uh, I think Eccles played solid. If he turns his head around, he probably intercepts that ball instead of getting a penalty. And yeah. it's it, these guys are playing really well. Uh, all things considered, and I think context is really important because their offense, the Jets offense has not put them in good positions. And despite the Jets offense, putting them in poor positions, they're still playing really, really solid. They're playing the bend, but don't break that we were expecting. And so at some point when your offense is not getting anything going whatsoever, you can only bend, but don't break so many times before you break. And that's what yeah. we saw happen on Sunday. I, I, this is football is a team game and it takes all three aspects to offense, defense, and special teams to be a consistent winning team. And if only one of your three aspects is performing consistently, you're not going to be a winning team. It's, it's just as simple as that. But in terms of the defense as a whole, I think this should be encouraging because this Broncos offense was on fire. I mean, this was, we talked about it last week that this was, they, they had loaded with weapons. Teddy was playing with his hair on fire. They were second in DVOA. Uh, they were, they were stopping people. And granted, they had only played the Giants and the Jaguars, but they were playing really, really well. And I think the Jets defense as a whole did everything they could to keep them in check. Uh, I, I was really impressed as a whole with everything. Quinnen Williams played great. CJ Mosley, I thought, again, had another great game. I, I I'm, I'm happy with the defense. And once the offense can settle in and get consistent, I think you're going to see the defense play even better because they aren't going to be on the field so much. So I thought that CJ Mosley had a pretty good game as well. Then I started looking at his pro football focus grade and he got a 33. Uh, I think a lot of that has to do with probably two missed tackles and being targeted five times for five receptions. Uh, But I, I thought I saw him flying around. He was making some big hits. Uh, I didn't really see him get abused too much, but maybe he was, and I just didn't notice. Yeah, I would have to go to the film again to to really break down. But off broadcast, I was happy with CJ Mosley. Uh, he seemed quick and fluid and instinctive like he usually is. Uh, he made that huge hit on the goal line on Melvin Gordon, absolutely crushed him the uh, early part of the game. There was a couple of plays where he made solid tackles on screen passes. Uh, just... Same sort of thing where he's faster than we expected him to be. He's smart. He knows where his assignment is and he flies to the ball. I, I would, I, I don't put too much stock into PFF grades, good or bad. I, I, I usually just trust my own opinion of the tape, but I, from what I saw, I would not say he was a, a 33 overall graded player on Sunday. Not even close. All right, guys, but let's get into a little bit of a breakdown of next week against the Titans. This is going to be a big matchup we got coming ahead. Uh, Titans, I believe, are undefeated. I don't think they've lost yet. Um, And they are a very talented team. They were a playoff team last year. Uh, A.J. Brown looks like he probably won't play with a concussion. He is questionable, but that is up in the air to see what's going to happen between now and then. I'm going to say it's likely he isn't going to play. So that's one of their offensive stars down, but we still got Julio Jones. We still got Derrick Henry, and this is a talented team. Matt, what can we do to potentially sneak out a win against this Titans team, although it does not look likely. Well, I think we're going to do a lot better offensively because I feel like this is a very good matchup for our offense. Uh, we've faced three of top-tier defenses to start out the season, and we sort of get a reprieve here uh, facing this Titans defense. They're sort of in the, the back half of every category, run defense, coverage, pass rush. Uh, so we, we there's definitely going to be some openings. On defense, we just got to stop Derrick Henry because with A.J. Brown out, it's just going to be the Julio Jones uh, show in uh, in the air. So if we can stop those two weapons, 
I think we're in good shape. Yeah. I hundred percent agree. And offensively, man, you know, I wish the Jets could play a bad defense before they go on and face the three stud defensive coordinators they did because they then would have a lot more confidence. But right now, facing this Titans defense, that's a lot worse than what they have faced. You know, they need to find a way to play confident. And if they do, I feel like they could, they could finally score some points. I just want to see more than twenty points by the offense. I don't think that's asking too much. Defensively. Uh, I was watching the Titans face the Seahawks a couple of weeks ago and the Seahawks, they run a defensive system, very similar to the Jets. A lot of attacking up front with cover three on the back and the Titans just did a fantastic job at isolating their carry in one defender after running some misdirection. Right. So they run some misdirection. They isolate their carry on, on defensive lineman on an edge defender that tries to overattack. Henry makes the guy mess on the outside and bang, bang it's a big play. So this front four, the Jets front four, they got to be really, really smart because they will attack, but they got to attack carefully and the linebackers must make plays on the open spot. And that's not good because the Jets are starting Quincy Williams at linebacker who is known for missing tackles. So offensively, I feel like the Jets offense will play a lot better than they have. Defensively, well, Julio Jones is a challenge, but gotta watch out for Derrick Henry gotta watch out for them isolating him one-on-one with our linebackers our second level defenders our edge defenders because if the Jets miss tackles and that's what Derrick Henry forces he will have a big day yeah I want to throw something out at you guys because I think I might have the Titans game plan for the Jets figured out in just the handful of minutes that we've been talking about this because I think it's that obvious for them and I hope that from the Jets out uh perspective that it'll be easy enough to counter. My guess is that the Titans game plan is going to be ride Derrick Henry until the wheels fall off, which is usually their game plan for most teams. And that makes sense because Derrick Henry is quite literally an alien. Uh, He is since 2019. Derrick Henry is the leading rusher in the NFL. The second leading rusher in the NFL since 2019 is Derrick Henry after contact. Um, so you were talking about a literal historic pace that Derrick Henry is on right now. They're going to feed him the ball. He's going to be tough to stop. I'm sure of it, especially with AJ Brown out. They're going to want to focus on the ground even more control the clock, probably just try and play ball control. And then defensively, because their defense hasn't been as good, uh, rankings wise as maybe as expected, especially their pass rush. I think this is going to be the game when the jets get blitzed. I think this is going to be the game when Mike Vrabel being a Belichick disciple going against a rookie quarterback is not getting the pressure that he was usually getting is going to want to turn up the heat a little bit. He's going to want to pressure Zach. He's not going to want to do the exact same thing Belichick did because that's going to be too obvious and they're going to try and throw some heat. And with that said, I think if you know that that's coming, because I think the jets have been expecting pressure pretty much outside of week one for the past two weeks, they've been expecting it two weeks in a row and it hasn't come. If you are expecting pressure, we've seen that the jets, when they are expecting pressure can figure out ways to get around it. They do know how to get some quick throws off. We saw some uh, jet motions to Elijah Moore. We saw it one time. I would like to see it again. Um, But I I think this is going to be a, a pressure filled game defensively from the Titans. And it's going to be up to the jets offense to take advantage of that pressure and kind of fight back a little bit. And if they can, 
I think they can put up a serviceable offense because they'll back the Titans off into their base coverages and then things should be a little bit easier. But that's all going to come down to communication on the offensive line, getting the protection sorted out, getting the hot reads sorted out. That's a tall, tall task. And if things don't go right early, it could spiral. So to go back to your first point about Derrick Henry, everybody knows they're going to run Derrick Henry into the ground. And but that doesn't mean it's easy to stop it. You can put right. everybody in the box and he'll just run through everybody. And that's especially troubling with our young uh, linebackers. Uh, I don't trust Sherwood. I don't trust uh, I don't uh, Quincy Williams. I don't trust uh, either of these guys. Even CJ Mosley. Uh, he's a little bit lighter now. So uh, I'm, I'm not sure if he's even up to the task of taking on Derrick Henry. Uh, it's going to be a tough task to, to stop him. Uh, as far as offense, we're going to be without Croft and probably more as well. Uh, so we're going to need to get Jeff Smith involved in that Jeff jet motion. And we're going to need to get Griffin, who I'm not really uh, too impressed with, uh, up to speed and getting him more involved. Uh, so we, we've got some holes that we got to fill. Yeah. Linebackers against their ground game, man. That That's the biggest of uh, of my concerns right now. Because I think they will scheme some counters, misdirections to, to try. Hey, let's scheme up a gap for Sherwood or Hamza to make the tackle on the outside, you know. And it's so hard yep. to bring Henry down. And, and, and it's going to be on the Jets to, to do their job. It's not going to be easy. But I feel like this is a game where the Jets will be able to compete, honestly, because the Titans, they're like the Seahawks in the AFC. They always compete with everyone, no matter who, besides Adam Gaines' Jets. You know, their games are almost always tight. So I feel like the Jets will be able to compete. But in the fourth quarter, if everybody's tired, will they be able to bring down their carry? Man, that's a question. That's the question. Yeah, it's going to be a, a tough, tough task. And and you're right about the Titans. They play up or down to their competition, uh, regardless of what it is. It seems like they're always in close games, uh, regardless of who they're playing. And hopefully that continues, and maybe the Jets can get a confidence-building game ahead of the London game against the Falcons. But uh, it's going to be a tough task. Guys, why don't we get into some score predictions and get on out of here? I'll go ahead and lead it off. Uh, after an 0-3 start, after what we saw last week in a 26 to nothing shutout, I am not going to go out on a limb and predict a win here i'm going to say 27 10 titans i think the defense again does what they can all things considered i think michael carter gets his first rushing touchdown and uh we see uh, quite honestly a little bit more of the same from the offense and i think it's going to take until after the london game before things start to settle down and get into a rhythm uh let's see i'm gonna go 2017 jets i think we're gonna irk out a win i think we're gonna be able to move the ball Uh, I think this is probably going to be the best showing that we've seen so far. Uh, I think they'll do an okay job stopping Derrick Henry. Uh, They'll definitely won't be able to hold him the whole game, for sure. He'll get his his runs off and he'll score. But I think for the most part, we'll be able to hold our own, Uh, especially if their best receiving weapon is only Julio Jones. Uh, If you have to stop two people, I think we can do it. Yeah, I feel like... It, it will be competitive, right? It will be competitive, but the Jets will mainly lose 24-17. Wilson play better, but still throw a pick. Henry will be borderline unstoppable in the fourth quarter, and Jets going to lose again, falling to 0-4. All 
All right. So we got a, the lone optimist, Matt, uh, this week. I'm the pessimist and Vitor is right in the middle. Um, we'll see how things shake out, but there's a lot of things that need to be cleaned up. I think after three weeks, this has not been what anybody has been expecting. It has been an offseason full of hype and excitement, and especially after an Adam Gase team that was completely and totally lifeless. This is not what we were expecting, but I want to finish the show with this, and I want to make the point for all everybody listening to take a deep breath, not, you know, jump off the, off the rooftops. Let's not completely lose our minds because this is a process. And when you have a team that was so downtrodden after years and years of Mike McCagnan, terrible drafts and Adam Gase ruining the culture and players not being developed and all the issues that this team has had, this is not going to be an overnight fix. This is not going to be something that happens immediately. There is a lot of people that are on their first opportunities at the job. This is Robert Sala's first season as a head coach. This is Michael Flores' first season as an offensive coordinator. This is Jeff Ulbrich's first season as a defensive coordinator. This is Zach Wilson's first season as an NFL quarterback. There's a lot of new faces, a lot of new things on this team, and it is going to take time. It is a long season. Give it time to build. And if these are issues that we are seeing in weeks seven, eight, nine, ten. Now we're going to have room to start panicking. But for right now, let's take a deep breath. Let's look ahead to the future. Let's realize the Jets had a really tough schedule to start off with early and things will get better as time goes on. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, I said it earlier uh, in a a tweet that if you're expecting playoffs, well, that ship has sailed before the season even started. Uh, But if you're expecting growth, well, then the season hasn't started yet. And there's still a lot of time to see that growth. So don't jump off a cliff just yet. Yeah, couldn't agree more. It's a long season. Things will get better, even though right now they look bleak. And I trust Salah and his process to develop stuff and the Jets will get better. Yeah, that's it. That's it. This has been the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm your host, Andrew. You can find me at Golden underscore 17. Guys, you know the drill. I'm Matt. You can find me at Zazzy Jets. And I'm Vitor, and you can find me at Vitor Paiva M. This is at OKD Podcast on Twitter. Thank you guys so much for listening again, and we will be back next week to hopefully review a win. I'm going to keep saying this every week until it happens. Once again, thank you guys so much. Bye-bye.